Are you struggling to get your project off the ground? Is the term research a dirty word? Need help finding more resources? Hello, I am Nadine Rosenblum with the Center for Nursing Inquiry. I am one of the Nursing Inquiry coordinators. I'm here with my coworker, Maddie Whalen. Hi, Nadine. Um, my name is Maddie Whalen. I'm the Evidence-Based Practice Program Coordinator with the Center for Nursing Inquiry. And on our podcast today, we have a guest. His name is Mike Morrison, and he is the creator of Poster 2.0 and Better Poster. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, Nadine and Maddie, for having me. We are so glad you're here. Uh, we wanted to talk to you about Better Poster and uh, kind of pick your brain a little bit and ask you some questions. Um, we wanted to let you know, and I think that maybe you've seen some of them. We offered your the Poster 2.0 for our recent conference, Shine Conference, um, and a few people took it up and used it, and they thought it was really interesting, and uh, the response was pretty good. But it sounds to me like um, there have been some changes that you've made from that first go around. So tell us about the journey and the changes that have happened since that first launch. Yeah. First, thanks to guys for trying it. Um, you know, I was hear from people who either they went with the full version one better poster or some people tell me like, I didn't have, wasn't brave enough to go for the full one, but like, I like, you know, made my figures twice the size and cut my text in half, which totally counts, you know, and really just try whatever, like any version of it's great. But yeah, I think, uh, so the short story of Better Poster from my side was that, like, you know, the first video went viral. It was just an explosion. I think, like, uh, you know, 250,000 people have downloaded that, that free template file. Um, lots of conferences have tried it. Lots of people have won poster awards with it. Lots of people have created their sort of own versions of it, which I love. Um, and I got a lot of feedback to that, um, to that first, uh, like, the first video and the first layouts. And I sort of incorporated all that. I think um, it was really wonderful to see it succeed. Um, and I think it was really kind of also kind of successful in its, its kind of design goal, which was like the design goal of Better Poster version one was, hey, right now, posters are really overloading. I'm, you know, there's some doubt as to whether anything from being uh, from posters is being transmitted at all, whether people are learning anything from them, right? So let's create a poster that can for sure transmit one insight to everybody in the room pretty reliably, right? And then figure out what we're missing and then go to two, right? And so um, that was uh, the success. I think people really gave me a lot of feedback on you know, what worked with the first one, what we're missing. Um, and then the two main things were one, uh, we wanted more room for showing off figures and things like that. Um, and the second one, which of course from scientists, right? Is like, where's the evidence? Um, which of course you should be asking. And so I released uh, after a lot of more research, I released Better Poster Part 2, which is a new cartoon, um, released more recently, that incorporates new layouts and sort of shows you the evidence and the principles behind Better Poster. So that even if you don't like my layouts, you can still sort of learn the, learn the principles and the evidence and try to sort of plagiarize and apply them yourself. So if you really like, that's the, that's the update. If you really, if you liked Better Poster Version 1, check out the Part 2 cartoon. There's like, it just dials everything up. And if you didn't like Better Poster Version 1, then definitely check out the part two cartoon because I worked hard to incorporate a lot of the feedback from the first year of people trying it. Um, so that's, that's the short update. That's, that's very cool. And we heard about um, your, the first iteration from an NPR interview, and we went and watched the video and, and put that information up for people to take a look at when they were considering using it. So we will definitely drop the links to um, 
those interviews and those um, videos and the the second um, video also. So um, when we post this, we'll put that information there for you for people to look at. Awesome. Um, yeah. Um, so we're also interested to know um, if you can talk about the way that people evaluate their own posters and posters in general, like what we're trying to change. Sure. Yeah. What's next? Um, I think, well, what I'm really interested in is like helping people like uh, sort of develop their own sort of poster skills. And I think like um, one of the best things you can do to develop your own poster skills is first to kind of realize that what you put on the poster, like just because you put something on the poster, doesn't mean people actually read it, right? There's a lot of things you put on your poster that like might get completely ignored or might function better. And so part of sort of developing your poster design skills is when you present a poster, kind of notice what people pay attention to, like what worked and what gets ignored. And then learning to sort of emphasize the things you're doing right, like that people are paying attention to and learning to sort of teach yourself to sort of cut the things that get ignored anyway. And like through that sort of iteration, you get better at creating these sort of efficient communications. Um, and so really that's, that's really what I wanna lean into that and sort of like the overall, how do we measure them and experiment with posters? So it sounds like you had a lot of really good um, reception to this new style. I'm kind of curious, did you have anyone who was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm never doing this. Get out of here. Or oh, are you kidding? Been really people receptive? banned it. <laughs> like I, I had people mandated. I had people ban it, like the full spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Going viral definitely has a dark side. And you know, that first better poster, it was supposed to be controversial, right? Like I think uh, there's a quote, even in that first video, um, like perfection is not when you have nothing to add, it's when you have nothing to take away, right? And like hundreds of people let me know things that needed to be added to the first one, right? But I think I can count on one hand the number of people who told me, who pointed out something I could remove. And so like that's, that was a very designer thing, you know, like instead of trying to pare down something that's overloading, just wipe it clean and start, start from scratch and have one thing that succeeds or whatever. Um, but to do that, it really like, it was very shocking, I think, um, to a lot of people. And um, even when I would tell them, like, you can add more to it, they just were like, oh, no, I can't, it's too little, or, you know, and like, uh, they just couldn't get over it. But, um, and it's, you know, there were flaws, there are things I needed to add, and that's hopefully what the Generation 2 starts to improve. We've had much more positive attitudes towards Generation 2. I think Generation 1, it was like 75% of people loved it, 20% hated it, 5% like hated me personally. <laughs> and then like uh, the Generation 2 layouts, um, it's like 99% positive and it's even the, the new cartoon and the new layouts have even turned around some people who um, like hated the first one or whatever. So yeah, but they run the range for sure. Well, that's super interesting. Even if it was even like just 50, 50 for and against, like that shows that there's a huge need in amongst people who are going to conferences that it wasn't working the way it was going. And so obviously like if people are that open to blowing up the way that we do scientific posters, there's obviously areas for for improvement and we've all just sort of been doing it the way we've always been doing it and so it really was cool to see when I first saw the video and read the article thinking why like this isn't working why do we keep doing it this way and really just starting from zero is such a cool idea that we don't do uh, these posters are so sort of ingrained in the scientific community so it was just really cool to see it from zero like what would actually work better especially now with all the technology that we have and the way that we really function day to day and our very limited uh, attention spans. No, that's, I'm glad, I'm glad I landed. I think it, it was like that. And like, I did posters the traditional way when I started grad school. And like, uh, I didn't realize that even the, like people who like, especially with the, um, like developing evidence for a better poster, uh, for a better poster, like 
people don't realize how little evidence we have behind what we're doing before, right? Like, uh, like the original poster was designed when the poster sessions were like six posters in a room, right? Um, and then they grew to like a hundred and we didn't change the design. And we've learned so many things in the last 30 years about communication that the poster design didn't change, right? And so like, we were really doing something that really wasn't supported. Um, and like, yeah, I was so surprised too by like, my first reaction when Better Poster went viral across science in 24 hours was like, wow, people hated posters. So that kind of leads me to a question about um, poster sessions in general. I mean, they're in the design of a poster session is for people to gather in a room and walk around and look at each other's posters and things. But in the virtual era, um, how does your poster convey? How do you, how do you make a virtual poster work in a with this design? So with a virtual poster session, the bad news is you're dealing with even less attention, right? I think like we're still collecting data, um, but like one anecdote I've heard so far, one stat is that like, you know, people in one virtual poster session, people spend an average of eight minutes browsing posters, not like per poster, all of them, which means like your individual poster out of a 50 or 100 or whatever doesn't have much attention span to work with. So these principles that Better Poster designed on, which is uh, user experience design principles and research, um, covered in the Better Poster Part 2 video, become even more important online. A lot of those principles were designed for internet communication. So keeping things very low cognitive load, very, um, very easy to learn, even if you're teaching something complex, like keeping it chunked and easy to learn without being fatiguing becomes more important because you're competing with all these other things that people can go to. Um, but I do have uh, some virtual poster concepts I'm working on. I think the punchline would be though, it's going to be controversial for me to say this, but if you're forced to keep it within one page, try to do it in less than a minute of total content, and then you can actually add links to more. So you can, the cool thing we can do now is even in a PDF, you can have a button that links to a Word doc or a Google doc or something, and a Word doc, but a Google doc or something like that, or a second poster that's just crammed with detail. You can do that and really, um, or you just include it as a second page, honestly. Um, like keep your first page really digestible or a couple pages and then, you know, have density at the end, like a cheat sheet. Um, you could do that too. So those are some options, but it will, having to stick with that, like, one page rectangle in a virtual environment is, is not ideal, but um, we're still working on new options. Yeah, and that's interesting too, because it's taking something that's very analog, like you printed something out and you like literally stuck it on the wall to now it lives on the internet and you're still trying to figure out how you're gonna really optimize it for all of the new tools that we have. Um, and so I think it's a really good idea to start thinking about the ways that we can a lot of people don't like virtual events and I'm probably one of them, but there are some definite upsides about how you're able to convey information if you can do it right. So it's, I think it's a cool thing to think about. No, that's a, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. That's going from analog to digital and staying, we are still analog, right? And if you, if you think of the websites you browse, like, you know, apple.com or if you're reading on the New York times or whatever, like they're very engaging. They fit your phone really nice, you know, like you're scrolling and like graphics come up, you know, you can click to get a little bit more on something. That's a modern, you know, information consumption experience digitally, which a one page square PDF is not really, you know, websites aren't distributed like that. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a big difference between, like you said, the analog and the digital that science really, really has to close somehow, but we're not there yet. Well, and I've actually, now that you're saying that, I've been to some um, conferences where they have um, e-poster sessions, but the, all that means is that they're putting the poster on a giant TV screen versus having you print it. But there's really, like, that's the only electronic component of it. No, it's not interactive. No one's clicking on anything or touching anything or watching a video. It's literally just being projected versus printed. Um, and so I think that they're probably using 
the the E of the E poster rather loosely. Yeah, I, I always thought with those, it's I'm glad they're trying. And the one thing about e-posters is good is that you can store them online easier. It's easier to upload them some to a repository to browse later. But there's a couple issues. One is like, uh, first of all, screen resolution is not there yet to where people read slower on screen still. And if they're and if you're like standing in front of it, they're having to stand far away from a high, from a lower resolution screen. But also, like I always thought, like if you're going to stand in front of a screen and talk about your research use slides you like that's what they're for right or whatever and i like the zoomed out poster but yeah i know i have some frustrations with that too yeah um so when using the better poster and you know trying to be light and brief and engaging what do you think about best ways to get enough information to the viewer to have them come away with some something digestible without giving them too much or too little or making it just fluffy and nice for them to have looked at and so they feel good but did they learn anything so everything on a design competes with everything else i think that's nielsen uh, or norman who said that um but and so a lot of people think that they can just sort of shotgun blast and i thought this too again you know like i did all these mistakes you shotgun blast everything. And if it was true that people read everything you put on your poster, then I'd be out here advocating for cramming posters so full like a cheat sheet because you want them to get everything, right? But the reality is like, there's a threshold where they get less the more you put on um, and because of that competition. And so like, really, if you really, really wanted to be the best poster designer in the world, right? I would suggest showing up to starting with one thing and then figuring out how to get to two and three and four, right? So even I was I always thought it'd be fun for first poster presenters, like first time poster presenters, show up to the poster session with like one of those whiteboard sheets and just blank until someone asks you like, what did you even study? And then you write, you know, just sort of like this practice. And then they, they know that or whatever. And so they're like, well, what did you learn? And then you write that on there, right? And the next person's like, well, how did you know that? And then you try to draw that on there. And eventually like you'll draw enough things on there where people will like, not get anything and look at you to ask you to explain because you overloaded them right um and that's where you find where the threshold is right and if you think about your poster skills as like not just this next poster session but if you think about them like five posters from now right the way to make that five posters from now poster really really good is to really learn with the next one and like go too little i know that's kind of controversial for me to say but like design wise you 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 want to go too little and figure out what you miss right and add that to the next one and um, it's much harder to start overloading and pare it down. Um, that's an extreme you know solution that would be professionally complicated for for a lot of people. I think um, you have to have a very forgiving boss that that encourages you to experiment or whatever to do that. But if you don't, um, I think really still trying to experiment with what gets in, really trying to like. Like you set a goal for the next position, I'm going to get people to like for sure get this in their brain before they talk to me, right? I'm going to get the finding in and then I'll know that because the first things people ask me about is the methods because they already know my finding, right? And see how many you can get in without overloading. My personal record is like 10. I've gotten 10 things into most people's brains who stopped the, who like walked by the poster, like, like half of them got 10 things. And I did that because I only put 10 things on the poster. It was such a Spartan poster that like Twitter exploded. They hated me for it, right? It's the yellow one that was in the NPR article. Like I, I got the most crap for that poster, but in on the ground, it was my best functioning poster by far or whatever. And I'll never be able to explain that or whatever, but like it really like, that's how you learn it is you go too far. Um, but you really can try to figure out what people are getting, notice what people are getting, and then try to just dial it up, try to get two things, try to get 
you know, you'll notice things like they only mention the keyword in your title or like, I've, I've had a graph, I tried to get a huge graph in one time and I made the graph like the size of the poster, right? It was just massive figure. And people didn't even read the access labels before asking me, right? Like, because I, I should have made those bigger or whatever. Like, it's really hard, but that's how you, that's the game you play. Um, just try to get stuff in and then, yeah. I think getting, getting, getting one thing in is better than missing a thousand shots or whatever. Um, like getting, you know, putting a thousand things on there and nothing gets in, I think, because it's, you know, your research matters and you want everybody in the room to learn it. I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about it from that design perspective because I think that so much so many of us are like oh I got accepted so now I have to I had this abstract I just need to transpose it onto my poster but this talking about it as if as like a sort of an experiment and a back and forth and an iterative process and maybe even if you get the same poster accepted to more than one conference maybe the what it looks like at one conference isn't what it looks like at the next because oh yeah you can AB test it then <laughs> <laughs> right because you've been like you've been workshopping it right so I yeah. think it's such a cool idea to think about. Like, and I, and honestly, like, I haven't thought about it that way before beyond just like, this is my four sided PowerPoint slide that I need to fill in versus having it be like what really works for me and what works for other people. And like that balance between conveying information, but also wanting people to receive the information. So that's a, I think a really interesting way to think about it um, that I definitely want to use moving forward. Have fun. Like, um, I was telling you guys. Right, they're earlier. never fun, right? It's like, I have to sit down and do this. They should. Fun yeah, exactly. And when you do that, when you're in that mode, in, in works, so my PhD is in work psychology, and we have this thing called a goal orientation. Have you guys heard of goal orientation? Um, no. It's like, basically, it's a motivational state. So like, when you do a, a task, sometimes you have something called a performance, proof performance goal orientation, which is like, I'm going to do this poster, and I want it to look like I put a lot of effort in. I want to look like I'm not stupid, right, or whatever. Those are the goals. And then like, the opposite, we're just trying to look like you did a good job to other people. And the opposite is something called a mastery orientation, which is like, I care about my research. What I think what I'm doing is interesting and valuable. And I want to see if I can get better at transmitting that, right? You're just going for the intrinsic goal. And I think that, yeah, a lot of us sit down and we just like, we worry about what people are going to think of us and things like that. And the way to overcome that is just cram everything. And then people look at the poster and they're like, well, I can see you put a lot of effort in and that's all they get, right? And like, um, and that's that's what a big, big, uh, big dense wall of text kind of communicates. Um, but if you have fun with it, like I, I saw one person, this is my funnest poster and I'll shut up, but, but um, it wasn't even a better poster, but like uh, uh, there was this uh, woman who's studying motor, motor disabilities and she made the whole poster out of cardboard that she cut by hand because someone with a motor disability couldn't do that. And like that's that had to have been such a, like a fun way to do that. That's also super meaningful and super memorable. Um, like people have started to use scissors more. I mean, like really lean into this. Um, and like the more you do it, people get worried about like what would the judges think? What my people? What would people think? People are so damn bored in poster sessions that usually if you show them something incredibly novel like that, you'll just win, right? Like people like even the judges are like, oh, thank you, you know, like this is great. Um, so really, really go nuts. Yeah, and I think um, this reminds me, I, this comes up a lot, I think, in writing, like scientific writing and abstracts um, that I tell people, like, you know, as a new nurse, when the doctor asks you what's wrong, or you have to go talk to your preceptor about or your patient, you just kind of do this like dump of information because you're not really sure what's pertinent. And so you want, you just say all of the information. So the pertinent information's in there. It just might be buried with a whole bunch of things that don't really matter. And so as you become a more experienced nurse, you realize what really needs to be conveyed and you put that at the top. And so it's the same thing when you're writing or doing a poster is that 
once you really feel more comfortable is when you are feel more comfortable discerning, well, I'm going to leave this out, but leave this in. And that all kind of comes with experiments, ex, um, experience, and also like maybe doing it wrong a couple times and knowing what works better. So it's kind of a similar idea in terms of just knowing what's important. I think that's true. And that's the hard answer, right? Is to develop this experience. Like I've noticed this with the, the, the first better poster where there's just a takeaway. The best takeaway sentences were written by like the most experienced people because they'd be able to like say it with the limitations and, and less words because they knew it was important. That's, but it's, it's, it's such a writing skill that's worth developing, but you have to practice it, right? And if you splatter all your words, you're not practicing it. Right, so you got the important message in there. Is this within 500 other messages? And so it gets um, completely diluted by right. all the <laughs> yeah. You bury the lead or whatever. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I know that you had also, we had been prepping for um, having our podcast today. You had talked a little, you had sent us a um, term called UX, which we had to Google because we did not know what it meant. And apparently it means user experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means and how that might apply to our posters? Sure. So user experience design is really the idea. Um, you think of design normally as like, most people think it's like making things look pretty or like if you want to be generous it's like making things uh you know very aesthetically cohesive and usable and like uh like having the appearance of usability and interest and things like that user experience design is much simpler than that and i can teach it to you ten, in ten, ten, 10 seconds here really like all you're doing when you're doing ux design is you're acknowledging that humans have evolved to be lazy right we want when you were foraging for food you wanted the most calories in for the least effort expended right um and so now it's just you want the maximum possible reward for the least amount of effort. And some people get cynical about that, but in UX, we just say that's human nature, right? Um, so if you've ever like, um, if you've ever arranged your house so that like you can reach the TV remote a little bit easier, right? You know, or if you've noticed that like, if you put the ice cream like at the front of the freezer or whatever, you'll eat it more. But if you like move it to the back of the freezer, you'll eat it less or whatever, and you'll lose weight. It's like at the simplest <laughs> things like that. You're really just sort of gaming innate human laziness or whatever. and really user experience design is behind every app you've ever used, right? Like, so when you unlock your iPhone with just your face or something like that, right? When you can buy an iPhone in three clicks, or if you go to Amazon, you can do a one-click purchase. That's UX design. It's making things very, very easy, right? And that's, I mean, they say the Amazon buy now buttons, you know, like a multi-billion dollar patent, right? Um, so UX in Silicon Valley is, it's so important for generating revenue for people and like just making tons of money that it's, like you start out, there's a pyramid of sort of user experience knowledge. And at the top is where Silicon Valley is, which is like, it's baked into the whole culture. Like UX is, it, it's just part of the board kind of thing. Um, where at the bottom of that sort of hierarchy of user experience design not, uh, awareness is like not even knowing what it is, which you guys are not alone at all. I, when I talk to scientists, usually a majority, a vast majority have never heard of it before, which to me, like is kind of an opportunity. There's a saying in UX that like a lot of UX consultants don't like working in Silicon Valley because they're helping them, you know, increase profit. They already know what UX is. So the consultant goes in and they can improve, you know, sales on the website by 10% or 100%, right? But if you go into an organization who's never heard of UX, like all of science, right? You can make like 10,000% gains in efficiency because everything's just, you know, devolved into chaos without any UX attention, right? Which is where we're at right now. Like, and what efficiency means for science isn't like profitability like a company, right? It's pace of discovery. So if you imagine it taking you 15 clicks to access a scientific journal article right now, right? If we shorten that to 14 clicks, right? That's 10 seconds per article you're saving every scientist in the world per day, right? That means they find stuff that much faster. And that's one click. Imagine if we get it down to like, you know, 
which is what the rest of the internet is, which is like you just browse at the speed of thought kind of thing. Um, we, we would cure everything faster. We would be moving so much faster and social science would move faster too. So these issues that are plaguing society, like, you know, like political polarization, for example, there's a lot of people, great people who research that, you know, police reform, tons of great researchers, right? Getting that out and finding that would happen so much more efficiently than it is right now if we applied these UX principles to the scientific system and the whole world would change so much faster. Sorry, that's my whole thing. <laughs> Hot button question. I don't even tell you're very excited about it. <laughs> no, it's just, it's like, there's so, there's so much opportunity there to do so much good for the world with just small changes. Like, you know, I, all I did was be like, hey, you know, posters, maybe we should, if we put less words on them, more people would read them and then the world no. exploded, you know? Like, it's like, I, I show my friends in UX design better posters and they're like, yeah, what were they doing before? You know, like, um, <laughs> and it's like, there's so much to be gained here and there's so much good to do. And just by like, just making things a little bit easier, a little bit, um, a little bit lazier. And we all love to be lazy, don't we? Absolutely, it's human nature. <laughs> <I know laughs> it's efficiency. This has been wonderful. I'm. I feel like there's more to say. Am I missing something? Was there something that we were going to chat about that we didn't get around to, or did we hit everything? I would say have fun with your posters. And, you know, the one thing scientists and artists have in common is they both experiment. So just like really get silly and like just talk to people like they're humans and try new stuff with every poster. And so you can learn for yourself. And that's that'll create posters that everybody loves to browse. Oh, and last thing I guess I'd say is that. Um, if I could leave you with one poster tip is that we're kind of normally taught to design posters like a mousetrap, right? It's like, if you do this, then people stop, you know, like step one, do all the stuff on your poster. Step two, something happens and step three, people stop and talk to you, which is what you want, right? And so if you design every poster in a poster session like a mousetrap, then imagine walking through that poster session, you're going to feel like a mouse avoiding traps, right? Which is kind of how people walk in poster sessions, like they don't make eye contact or, you know, they kind of avoid people. Um, but if you instead design your poster kind of like, I don't have a better analogy for this, but like, like you're playing one of those games where you have to like shoot the zombies with like little towers and stuff, you know, like, and your, your poster is like a cannon that shoots out knowledge and you're trying to like, sh like, just like hit everybody walking by with like your insight and the stuff you learned and you're trying to get it to as many brains as you can. Try to play that game instead of the mousetrap game and you'll just design a completely different poster. poster and the people ball. walking through will get this experience of walking through and just learning all this insight. Well, and that reminds me so much, like when you talk about communication and communicating in a way that's um, digestible, like that's what nursing is, you know, like it's sort of this kind of running joke where the like the surgeon will come in and talk to the patient and then they'll leave and then the patient will turn to the nurse and be like, so what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and, and nurses are so good at being able to make that information um, accessible to anybody, like and meeting people where they're at. And so I think that for some reason, when we make posters, we think, oh, well, we're now we're having to be, you know, quote unquote, scientific. And so not staying true to the roots of nursing, which are really just trying to make information easy and make every to make everyone's lives better. Um, and so I, everything you're saying really, I think resonates with what we do as nurses every day. You're already trained, you already have expertise in this, you're not, you're not even using like lean into that skill that you've all built, that's wonderful. Yeah, you could make the best posters because you've been translating doctor speak all day. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah, lean into that 100%. You can say it and just literally, you can say out loud what you'd say to a patient or somebody like in your like verbal words and then write that on your poster the, the exact way you say it. Like you can talk, like you, you can write like you talk. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's a great, that's a great way to, to finish this all out. Mike has been a really wonderful having this conversation with you today. We've been having a conversation with Mike Morrison, a better poster. Um, this is the Center for Nursing Inquiry and we wanna thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, this is a blast. All right. I hope, I hope it was useful. Thanks.
Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.